0: Because what you don't know about energy can kill you. Here's Alex Epstein.
1: Welcome to Power Hour. I'm Alex Epstein. Last week, we had on Professor Adrian Bajon of Duke to talk about the physics of energy and environmental impact. And this week, I'm having him back on to discuss the physics of freedom and issues of freedom Uh, more broadly. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, I would highly, highly recommend listening to it or watching it first, because this week's episode will in many ways depend on that episode. Particularly at the beginning of last week's episode, I gave an introduction to Professor Bajan's ideas that I think will be helpful in orienting you since some of the discussions get uh, technical and sometimes abstract, although I try to keep them concrete. So if you haven't listened to last week's or watched last week's, do so now. That said, if you're impatient and you want to get directly to this one, uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's a long interview, but I think we, in part, because we we get through a lot of uh, interesting topics and there's still some more stuff I want to ask him about. As I say at the end, I want to do something in the future on academic freedom, which he has a lot of great points on in his book, Freedom and Evolution, which you can get on Amazon. Uh, but... We, I think we, we covered a lot today, so hope you enjoy it. And I'll be back on the other side. I'm joined once again by Professor Adrian Bejan. Uh, Adrian, welcome back to Power Hour. Well, I'm,
0: uh, I'm happy to be back. It means that uh, after part one, I passed the grade, OK? Or uh, I passed the audition. I'm energized to continue that discussion
1: okay terrific well let's let's jump right in so today we're going to be talking about freedom in a very broad way and i thought i would just share for a minute or two a story that for me captures what i value about freedom and then i think you're going to have an even broader conception but this is from the history of energy and i don't know if you've heard this story i, I haven't told it that much but it really made an infl- it really made an impression on me when i started studying energy about 13 years ago and it's the story of the history of illumination um, via oil. So it turns out in the, the modern oil industry began in 1859. And it was just an enormous revolution. Within, two, within five years, the countryside had gone from dark to light. So it's just this amazing, progress. And there's a question of why did it happen in the U.S.? And people think, oh, maybe it was just random. But one interesting thing is one of the early innovators in petroleum uh, was a guy named Abraham Gesner, and he lived in Canada. And in the 1840s, he was innovating processes that later went into oil refining, which is a key innovation to make oil useful. But he tried to start a company in Canada and do refining. It, It was originally in coal, and he couldn't do it. Why? Because in Canada, the underground was owned by the crown and you were not free to exploit it. So, even though he knew how to productively transform nature and he had these ideas that would lead to innovation, he couldn't do anything with them. And then he moved to the US and he could do something with them. And then it contributed to this revolution. So, in my mind, this is an example of how human beings to productively transform our environment and to survive and flourish and to progress, we need to be free to think and free to act and free to evolve. So with and, that, I'd love your conception of freedom.
0: And free to move. Free to move. This is what the Canadian man did, OK? Uh, that's very important. Uh, in fact, I did not know this uh, This. Um, this uh, story. Uh, but I will uh, may I continue a little bit uh, the uh, yeah the historical thread. Well, uh, oil. You're, you're, yeah. you're,
1: you're the you're the you're almost the boss on this show. You yeah. you get you get quite a bit of discretion.
0: Yeah, that's right. The the, the that is in fact the, the big idea. The big idea is uh, uh, history is uh, is really good uh, good for the soul and good for the discussion. Um, before before uh, oil. Uh, there had been other uh, revolutions. One was wood, which uh, came after the burning of uh, peat. Um, and then uh, after oil, as you know, uh, oil of course uh, with its derivatives uh, became, uh, let's say, uh, more and more uh, powerful or portable, uh, all, you know, all the way to diesel fuel. And, um, and now um, uh, methane, you know, natural gas, in this direction, the, uh, the, uh, the fuel has become, uh, okay, more concentrated, more powerful, more useful per unit. So the, uh, the, the trend that is of course, in your example, revolutionary is toward, um, toward the, it's like discovering uh, better and better food. Uh, food that's um, more, um, uh, let's say, richer in uh, in calories. That's the way it's been with fuel, and it's the natural. And by the way, it's the same in the in the uh, in the making of food. Say agriculture. Agriculture became uh, sorry uh, took uh, was born ten thousand years ago in a, um, a highly dispersed fashion. Uh, that was in fact the growing of uh, the fuel for. Uh, people and animals. And then it became better and better and better, meaning uh, um, harvests uh, bigger and bigger per unit in the same direction of uh, greater concentration of um, useful energy per unit over time, per kilogram, okay, over time. So the, uh, the natural, uh, this is human behavior. People, as I said in the first part, are not stupid. They would like to live more easily. The, uh, the future is fairly obvious. It is about uh, uh, better and better fuels, not the uh, weaker and weaker and more dispersed, uh, more spread out, uh, uh, more difficult to, uh, to, to sweep into a small pile kind of fuels. That's the, the that's the way it's always been. Nobody's gonna go back to what was before domesticated animals. You see, that's the uh, the, the the complete story of um, sorry the more complete image of uh, what you brought up. Um, the, uh, so uh, living better, uh, more easily, safe more more safely. All this is uh, not only human nature, but uh, Animal nature, animal nature is about uh, constant improvement. By the way, the uh, go back to the river basin it is constantly, constantly improving itself. <clears throat> um, engineers, of course, uh, really want to learn how to do better engineering uh, are well advised to, to look at the movies of how nature improves itself every every minute of the day. I mean, to flow, to move, to get get out of the way of, uh, of obstacles or to remove obstacles. That's basic. So how do
1: you... So I want to talk about the, the river basin. I think it's a good segue into freedom. So you're... One of the really interesting things about your work is you you point out these very common dynamics among seemingly disparate and even unrelated fields. And so with human action, if you talk about flow, I think of, okay, well, the human is trying to survive. It's, you know, Aristotle would call it like teleological. But what is the, how does the river flow relate to that? Because the the water itself doesn't have a goal in the way that a human does. Well, and yet well, there is something similar about it.
0: As I said last time, who is to know about what, uh, who knows what or uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a human way of, uh, let's say, pers- personalizing uh, uh, objects that uh, in this case are not animate. I, uh, you asked me how, um, yeah, how I, ca- I, how I came to think about this. Well, I had the uh, advantages that were in fact enormous because I grew up uh, uh, with enormous uh, uh, likelihood advantage, all right? The society, I'm talking about the early 50s in Eastern Europe was backward by uh, today's uh, Western European standards. The, uh, there are almost no cars. The uh, taxis in my city were uh, these famous, uh, you see them in the movies, uh, um, Buggies uh, drawn by uh, horses, you know, with a black, uh, black uh, canopy. Um, They are interesting, but that was the norm. The street was full of uh, horse droppings and so on. Uh, So the, uh, and yes, most of the country was a peasant society, peasant society. Uh, So that was in the fifties. Things slowly became, uh, let's say more mechanized. Uh, The uh, Soviet occupation did not do anything to accelerate that transformation. But in any case, uh, I saw change, Alex. I saw change happening as I was growing up. Now that's one thing. Uh, the second advantage is that uh, my father was a very gifted veterinarian and he took me along with uh, in, with him in in his work. He was uh, veterinarian, by the way, uh, historically they're not about pets, you know, uh, uh, cats and dogs and gerbils. They, these people are working with farm animals. In fact, veterinus, veterinus in Latin means uh, beast of burden. You know, the ox and the horse. That for them, the veterinarian medicine was invented in France. So, so that was that was my father's work, and I I, I accompanied him. Of course, I was carrying his bag. I was cleaning after the surgery he was doing there some somewhere behind the hut. Um, the point is that I saw animal design. I saw the, the flow, I saw the blood, of course, but I, I saw the uh, uh, things that were not known, uh, where you could not have a feel for them if you just looked at drawings in the uh, zoology book. Um, and so that was a, that was a second advantage. So what, uh, so
1: what do you mean the flow? Like what flows within the animal are you talking about?
0: I'm talking about everything from, uh, from the blood to the piss. Uh, it was all, all about flow. Of course, the movement was obvious. The fact that uh, if the animal was uh, dead, it was no, not moving at all. Uh, that was the, the, the obvious thing. The obvious thing, the obvious difference between life and death or, or alive and dead was movement. No question about it. So movement was uh, came with, uh, in this case, with the um, veterinarian work with, uh, with, uh, with the, yes, blood flowing and uh, animal screams because there was no anesthesia in those days. So they, uh, and of course I saw death, you know, uh, from uh, oh yeah, for, uh, during these events, so so that was an advantage. I was a kid, I was a kid. This was uh, a different kind of schooling compared with uh, what uh, everybody was getting in school. And the third advantage was that one of the um, let's say most uh, popular um, pastimes where I grew up on the Danube in the delta was to go fishing. And so, from spring to spring, the, the river was in a different place. Uh, it had moved. Imagine, uh-huh. imagine. Well, first it was a surprise, but then it was no longer a surprise because I started to plan on uh, to plan on not uh, sitting on that uh, piece of wet uh, dirt, the river bank that uh, might disappear from under me. You see. Uh, which was contrary to uh, the kind of uh, work I was doing in school in school they were teaching you to draw the map of the course of uh, the big river danube you know which uh, historically is just one drawing well it may be historically one drawing but uh, from year to year it's slightly slightly different slightly better of course because uh, when uh, a tree log falls uh, across a, a branch the whole river basin is getting rid of that tree log. The whole river basin, it, it's marshaling its waters to, uh, to to exhale its water. That's the way, uh, that's in fact the big picture of what the river, river life really is. Uh, and so I had the, from year to year, I remember, yeah, paying attention to these things and marveling at the fact that uh, Uh, first of all, the river is not something to mess around with because it's not only powerful, but has a mind of its own. Mind of its own. And then, and now, of course, looking back, uh, it was very useful to get this idea because uh, it leads to the bigger conclusion, and which is, of course, that uh, if you try to oppose uh, nature, you are destined to lose.
1: Let's... Let's talk about freedom uh, explicitly. So I mentioned part of my conception of freedom and you know, in the human realm and the specific example in energy, how do you think of freedom? What is it and how broadly does it apply in nature?
0: Well, in this, yeah, OK. Uh, freedom, first of all, uh, in fact, uh, all of us who went to school know that uh, in, uh, in academia, uh, Unlike in politics and academia, people don't talk about freedom. It's not a concept in physics. It's not uh, it's not discussed. Okay, and uh, I, uh, I I had the audacity to uh, to uh, to promote the F word because the, uh, because of the constructor law. The constructor law states that uh, any flow system in order to uh, to persist in time. Must evolve uh, with freedom uh, toward uh, offering greater access to what flows, and uh, that was an idea from twenty years ago. Uh, during this, this time, uh, so many people, in fact, asked me, "What do you mean by this? What do you mean? What do you mean by access? What do you mean by uh, evolve uh, or freedom for that matter?" And uh, it occurred to me that the the reason uh, the audience was uh, uh, let's say not uh, not familiar with the, with the words of the Constructed law was because of the word freedom. so what is freedom? Freedom is simply uh, very simply the uh, the property or the ability of an object to change to change uh, freedom uh, without the uh, the freedom to uh, to change a dimension or uh, the shape of uh, a boundary, uh, there is no change. There is So in order to have change, you have to have freedom. Uh, I was trained in uh, graphic arts growing up. Uh, You want to make a better drawing, you have to grab a better pencil or a a better brush and paint. You see, that's change, that's freedom. And so uh, if uh, freedom is the, the uh, ability of the object to change, then clearly change after change is of course the definition of evolution. And, uh, and evolution itself is uh, happening because of uh, this freedom as a physical property of the object. So, um, and by the way, of course, uh, uh, toward greater access or to flow more easily means uh, to uh, make changes changes after change to make more changes that liberate the flow and that that's how freedom is in fact where the uh, magnification of freedom uh through this kind of thinking becomes synonymous with the, the direction of evolution and also the definition of access access and so that, let me bring you back to a uh, to the river uh access let's say you um You would like to get to the other side of the river. Uh, You you have the urge to have access to the other side. Uh, In you is not a plan or a design to go to a particular spot on the other side or to uh, go uh, maybe steal a boat and to row across the river or to uh, go and learn how to swim so you could go to swim across the river your objective if you're running away from, uh, from enemies is to get to the other side to safety. And, and in so doing, yeah, you cross the river, but uh, where you end up across the river is not the point. The point is that, is that you had access to a territory to which previously you, you did not have access. And the reason you got there is because you had freedom to what? To uh, jump in the water, to, uh, to swim uh, properly, or, uh, okay, jump in your boat and to row across the river. All these things are changes in your own uh, movement on the map at that particular time. Without, had you been, uh, let's say, handcuffed or tied to a, to a tree, you would not have had the freedom <laughs> to get to the other side. You see, that's now the uh, the answer with the, with a with a metaphor, if you want. But okay.
1: I- well, so that let's let's take that example. So, and it, and it applies the same as the energy example. That is, okay, when you're free to to act, including to move, you can you know you can do this innovation with oil, or you can get to the other side of this river. Versus, if you're constrained or restrained, you can't. Like, if you're handcuffed, then you don't have the freedom, and so you can't. Flow and you can't access what you're trying to access. What's an example? So with human action, it's very easy to think of lack of freedom. But how does lack of what are an example? What's an example of lack of freedom in nature where it constrains the progress or evolution of something in nature?
0: Well, it's uh, that's a challenging proposition because, as I was saying, nature is full of uh, of uh, freedom because, uh, in fact. Um, Freedom is nature itself. Um, if the um, well, you saw this with the Mississippi uh, during uh, right before the Katrina uh, hurricane. Uh, if the uh, if the natural uh, design, meaning the Mississippi River basin, is uh, is uh, is uh, pinched uh, at the exit with those levees at uh, New Orleans, then uh, then the river knows what to do, which is to get those levies out of the way. That's the uh, so the, the tendency. If you can you can count on it, you can bet on it, is uh, for the um, for the flow system to liberate itself, and it does that all the time. It happened in uh, the uh, the water ducts under the city of Chicago um, at about the same time. Uh, the uh, the flowing water found that the ducts uh, had not been maintained properly, and uh, and it destroyed them. And that,
1: okay, but uh, if they if they had been maintained properly, it would its freedom would have been restricted in that aspect.
0: Uh, as, long right? as, uh, as long as as long as people like you and Adrian uh, continue to pay uh, money called taxes to maintain uh, the unnatural design, yes. But that's, that's very different. By the same token, uh, the piping under my house is not uh, changing at all uh, because it is, okay, new. But if, uh, if it uh, falls into, uh, uh, let's say uh, neglect, then, uh, then uh, the pipes will burst. Uh, of course, the house will crumble and uh, soon enough uh, the landscape will be the way it was, uh, you know, 10,000 years ago. Um, they do not confuse the, uh, the uh, let's call artificial uh, act of the, uh, you know, homo sapiens with uh, w- for that particular instance in time with the, uh, with the behavior of nature. The, the, uh, the individual is part of nature and doing its best to, uh, to live more easily on that particular spot at that time. And to install rigid pipes is part of that uh, uh, design that empowers the individual, meaning the one who is doing the moving, to move uh, more easily. In other words, the answer to the question of uh, what is flowing in, uh, in my home it's not the water under the house in those pipes it is adrian who's flowing <laughs> everything in that home is about my flow myself i i flow like an iphone okay how is that for a new,
1: uh, that's, a new I, I love uh, yeah i i love uh, that but I mean, you're you're flowing i mean in admit, part by
0: i mean it's all about me okay uh, so so these artifacts my rigid uh, pen here is not morphing well that's fine because uh, I'm the one. My morphing benefits the most from the fact that I have the freedom to move this pen on the paper and all these other things. Um, and for that battery has to be uh, stiff, you know, so it doesn't bend under my uh, the force of my my hand. So it it I I agree with the with the way you began to question when uh, you bring the individual in the discussion. The uh, the audience yes naturally is uh, somewhere between. Perplexed and confused because we think all the time about ourselves, and uh, but not about the big picture, which is why are we moving in this uh, in this uh, niche of ours? Uh, well, we're moving because just like the rest of the niche, we have this natural tendency to uh, to get better along the way as we move to live uh, uh, more easily, uh, whatever longer. Um, you know all these things that uh, have to do with uh, with uh, animal design, animal uh, tendency tendencies or instincts. How is that? Um, but it's not yeah. only it's about the the uh, the animate. The inanimate have uh, have the uh, the same tendency. The mindless, if you want, for example, the uh, morphing of the. Of the traffic pattern in the city, which is a morphing design that you cannot assign to a particular human being with a particular mind or brain, the uh, the society in this uh, big city of ours is uh, nameless. The people who make these decisions are very many. Uh, quite often, the decision decisions are contradictory. But from a decade to decade, a a um, a very simple pattern emerges. One that, uh, okay, decade after decade, is pleasing everybody, or is keeping everybody uh, quiet.
1: And uh, so, what's that? What's that pattern? The what? You said that you said the pattern is emerging that's pleasing everyone. What, the what's the pattern?
0: Is, the pattern is the traffic pattern. The pattern in the uh, in the city uh, is not the uh, the the grid of those streets. It is what flows through them. Uh, for example, in, if uh, there's a, a public demonstration in the uh, center of town, the, uh, the people, including the vehicles that, that converge upon the, uh, the, the meeting place are flowing there the way that uh, the river basin flows to its mouth. It's a, the, the flow of any flow in the, uh, in the city is uh, tree-shaped. It is, uh, it is arborescent. Uh, now, when the uh, demonstration is over, that crowd is uh, dispersing itself in the opposite direction. It flows from that point to the whole area, to the suburbs where the, the people came from. That flow is akin to the flow of water in the river delta, except that in the city, this is a river delta that's usually shaped as a pizza. Um, so. You have uh, many uh, points of attraction uh, in a city. Uh, you could, you know, a, a theater performance or a, a football game, uh, and then uh, uh, there's attraction before the event takes place. There's dispersion at the end of the event, and so the city. If someone someone were to um, to put uh, colored light bulbs on the on the on the top. The top of the heads of these people who move through the city, or on the tops of the cars, the people from uh, say high above would see uh, lights that uh, converge upon a point, and then like the uh, the uh, the tides, you know, go back to where they came from, meaning river basin, then the river delta. Uh, a pair of these uh, inhaling, exhaling flows for every point of attraction on the city on the city floor. And uh, so these are complicated flows, the trees. But how do you accommodate uh, this th- their enormous number uh, or enormous complexity with one uh, um, solid infrastructure called uh, paved streets? Well, with a grid. Because through the grid, things can flow this way. Uh, uh, Every, I mean, the grid has the ability to facilitate uh, tree-like flow, no matter what the point of attraction might be. So uh, that's the uh, the the answer to your question about the um, the, uh, the the pattern that um, emerges naturally. And you cannot cannot say that uh, this particular city here was built by uh, Mr. Johnson. You see, no way. Um, it may have been built by a by a farmer early on, uh, with one house or two houses or one street in the countryside. But that was uh, is not part of this particular picture anymore.
1: So let's let's um. So if we're talking about this tree-like pattern. I think that's a good connection to one of the dynamics you talk about in Freedom and Evolution, which is economies of scale. And so you, often we think about economies of scale just in terms of economics, when people are free to produce and trade, they tend to gather together and, and join their productive forces versus just being individual uh, producers. But this is a dynamic you say applies throughout all of nature. Is that right?
0: Right, right. And uh, thank you for that uh, suggestion. I would like to talk about economies of scale because um, uh, this uh, book about freedom is uh, physics, and it's uh, it's it's uh, uh, a story told in very simple examples uh, of physics, but examples of, uh, of early high school physics. Um, here's economies of scale. Uh, you can uh, uh, you can play with water, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the water that flows through uh, two identical pipes in parallel, flows with a greater difficulty than the same water stream flowing through a bigger pipe, the volume of which is the same as the sum of the two previous volumes. So coming together, meaning the two previous uh, pipes coming together into a single pipe that's bigger is uh, liberates the flow, liberates the flow. This, uh, the, by the way, this is one reason why um, in uh, river basin design, the, uh, the um, you know, the mother, the mother, uh, uh, sorry, not in, uh, anyway, the point is that from two to one, you see this uh, pairing going on in uh, all over the place in, in nature. So uh, the constructor law, this tendency for things to flow more easily with the, uh, would suggest or would predict in fact that uh, that the, uh, the the drawing this thing that I was uh, exhibiting with my fingers would change from two to one that's bigger is the same uh, the same example in uh, pulled inside out like a glove if you have uh, uh, let's say on a river you have uh, two barges uh, each being pulled by a tugboat and the barges are loaded with uh, something heavy, such as coal, (coughs) meaning they are mainly submerged, Uh, well, the tugboats are consuming power or fuel coming from you. Well, uh, if you compare that uh, design with uh, a bigger barge, the size of which is uh, the sum of the two previous uh, sizes, then (coughs) the power required by the new tugboat Will be smaller than the uh, total power required by the two previous tugboats. So once again, uh, moving together, moving together is uh, easier. Okay, more economical or uh, more facile than uh, moving individually. We know this as uh, human beings, of course. Uh, that uh, that uh, in fact this is the uh, the mother of social organization that uh, living uh, uh, alone is uh, really really tough uh, so family comes from this idea of or the clan uh, at a larger scale uh, all the way to the, uh, the hut and then the uh, all, you know tribe all the forms of social organization had been um, exhibited after exhibit in uh, in support of this idea that uh, uh, Going alone through the jungle is uh, is very very difficult and dangerous as well, but uh, going together um, with somebody or with a, with a group is uh, easier, because obviously uh, those in front of you are the ones uh, uh, creating the path, then uh, easier than being alone. So, so, so that's the first uh, part of economies of scale. Um, alone is, uh, let's say not economical together, it's easier Easier for every individual that joins the group. If that's the case, then uh, why hasn't everything in nature become big? Why are there uh, so many scales, you know, uh, some uh, intermediate size, some in fact very many small size uh, river channels are very good examples of these, and the reason is that on on Earth, on Earth, the movement is not between uh, two points like in elementary geometry. Uh, from A to B, the uh, the easiest way to go is along a straight line. That's Euclid. Well, uh, no, uh, on an area, the, like in the example with the city just uh, five minutes ago, the flow is uh, between one point and a whole area. The whole area is an infinity of points. So uh, if it were uh, a design where only big things would move, let's say big channels uh, streaming away from this uh, point that acts as source, then uh, those big, uh, let's call them uh, fingers or legs would uh, leave um, uh, big areas between them, (laughs) big armpits well the big armpit is uh, a virgin area waiting to be or ready to be swept by its own big channels except that the area now is uh, a fraction like a slice of the pizza a fraction of uh, of uh, what it used to be so its uh, next big channels will be yes smaller than the uh, the big the first big channels that gave birth to that uh, pizza slice and in this direction of um, Armpits after armpits, all in the direction of smaller and smaller. Uh, the uh, the most economical channels uh, going back to my uh, two water pipes uh, become become uh, yeah compared with their uh, uh, preceding channels smaller and smaller. So hierarchy hierarchy is the name for uh, what uh, emerges from uh, my examples of. Uh, that began with the fact that the flowing uh, alone is not as uh, easy as uh, flowing together with uh, someone just like you. Um, so hierarchy is uh, physics. It kind okay, of... let, let,
1: let me ask about an example that you use in the book that I found very interesting, which relates to you. And it was the, the major research universities beginning with Harvard. And you, in some way, this is analogous to like the big river that's flowing, and then it and then you know it flows into these smaller streams. So can you ex- explain that? Because I found that just very intriguing, and how it just it's still true that the center of the university world, or much of it, is in the northeast United States. You know, after all of these centuries.
0: Exactly, and it's of course destined to remain there, not only in the northeast, but at the at the, at the top of the heap. Okay, in terms of uh, rankings. Uh, and uh, I'm laughing because uh, here I am. Uh, I'm an MIT man uh, uh, heaping praise on the Harvard. It's a little bit like well, and uh, you're
1: also in you know Duke. Sometimes uh, but, people like to call it the Harvard of the South. No, no, they,
0: no, no there's but, the
1: best. There's a shirt that says you know Harvard, the Duke of the North.
0: No, no, no. We uh, here we have uh, Duke versus uh, North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Uh, that's a uh, uh, they. Uh, <laughs> the Harvard phenomenon is uh, is once again physics. Harvard, um, because it had uh, something to uh, totally new to offer. <clears throat> Obviously, it was an import from Europe. Uh, this uh, idea of university uh, from England. The uh, that was a uh, a an attraction. An attraction. the uh, they educated the. Uh, Uh, young men in those days uh, were attracted to Harvard. And they uh, so it was a flow just like the crowd uh, in the city streaming toward uh, the, uh, let's say the the church uh, in the center of town, uh, a flow, a tree shaped flow from the landscape to Harvard. And uh, that was the uh, inhaling, the exhaling was that in the other direction uh, year after year, educated uh, individuals uh, streamed uh, away streamed away to the f- landscape from which they came. And uh, those became uh, teachers. They became educators themselves. And just like the, the seeds uh, blown by the wind from, uh, from uh, a tree after flowering, well, uh, those seeds uh, uh, grew into their own Harvards. Uh, say 50 years later, the first was Yale. Yale um, uh, had essentially the same, uh, the same uh, uh, history, the same uh, mission, uh, the same flow to it and away from it. And then 50 years later, 50 years later, um, we had uh, uh, almost like an explosion. Uh, a uh, a like a flower blooming, uh, Penn, Princeton, and Columbia, and Delaware. These were, this happened uh, coincidentally uh, along a straight line on the map, from, uh, from uh, the Boston area to, uh, to uh, this, uh, you know, it's called Tri-State, I think. The point is it's, uh, it was amazing. 50 years after 50 years after 50 years. And this sort of, um, um, let's call it uh, uh, wildfire, continued to spread. It spread uh, not only uh, uh, in the Southern direction to places such as uh, Chapel Hill, uh, more recently Duke, but also all the way to Florida, clearly, Um, but also spread, um, where it came from, meaning in the Western area, uh, MIT is one example. But this is just uh, uh, recent, uh, recent, uh, recent history. Uh, what was what spread was in fact not only the movement of people into the spot and away from the spot. In fact, now all the way uh, around the globe, but uh, the. Uh, what spread was the uh, the ability the ability of these educated individuals to uh, to set themselves and uh, their compatriots in motion more easily, uh, more economically, stronger, faster, and uh, more permanently? That's where your your oil uh, uh, generation and use uh, example comes comes in the uh, the stuff that that people got by going to Harvard and MIT was this, how to, how to be a more uh, knowledgeable, yes, of course, but the more powerful, more um, um, confident, more uh, helpful individual, uh, either with technology or with medicine or with uh, all these wonderful things that uh, people acquire in uh, In the amazing, amazing higher education system that uh, that we have.
1: So why does it? Why all these? You know, it seems very curious that hundreds of years later, these these old schools like Harvard and Yale and they're still just so dominant. Like, what you would think? Oh, particularly with the internet, you know, it would just be much more dispersed. And those, I mean, I certainly believe those aren't the nicest areas. That's why I fled the East Coast myself. So why why is it that there, like there's still so much flowing through those places in that little area that has many things to not recommend it?
0: Because the uh, the simple way of 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 spelling evolution in nature is quote what works is kept unquote. So what works is kept. Uh, the new idea is gets uh, built on top of. On top of the one that uh, that works, that's why uh, uh, rankings do not change. That, well, Harvard obviously itself got better and better and better. It's not necessarily bigger and bigger and bigger, but better and better along the way. Uh, fame, fame um, uh, is compounded by uh, by uh, doing this process of uh, of. Uh, of getting better. Fame is what attracts uh, students to Harvard. The fame of the professors, but also the fame of the ideas that had come out of Harvard, uh, say uh, one or two centuries uh, previously. Um, fame. So fame is something you cannot uh, cannot erase from, uh, from the map. It is the same uh, for the same reason why uh, Duke uh, as a basketball team Continues to be uh, highly ranked because of fame. This is what attracts the best the players from uh, from high school. Fame they want they want to become not only uh, uh, great players but obviously uh, better living human beings after they retire. Through in this case through uh, the talent uh, ca- called basketball. Uh, same with MIT. MIT is uh, is doing. Uh, uh, with the science and technology, uh, with, uh, what Harvard has done uh, uh, with all the, with all the uh, let's say, uh, uh, departments of uh, higher education in, in history, fame, uh, or uh, excellent examples are uh, uh, the, the great uh, uh, football uh, teams. I'm talking about soccer in, uh, in Europe, the most famous clubs continue to be famous uh, they win uh, more than other clubs but the players the young players want to go and play for Arsenal uh, even though today Arsenal is not playing that well but it's fame is uh, is the uh, uh, they call it brand these days uh, is what uh, what's impossible to erase from uh, from uh, from uh, from the landscape, what works is kept.
1: So so are all of these? I mean, are all of these just different kinds of flow dynamics? Like Harvard, it has a certain like it. It makes it easier. You know, it, it's the first major university, I guess. Let's say it is, and then that makes it easier for certain types of people to flow or to achieve their goals and then that leads to and then that leads to advancements that makes it even easier for others to achieve their goals or the duke you know duke basketball team if you think about if you want to flow toward being a successful basketball player you can join coach k at duke or you could go to some team that barely made the nit last year and you the second path has a lot more friction to it, right? It's much harder to move successfully, and so more people go to the path of least resistance, and that makes an even more attractive path for more people. Is that what's going on?
0: The, the second path uh, with the NIT is a path uh, into oblivion because the uh, the uh, it's not a, it's not about uh, just playing in college. It's about what you do in your life, and you get noticed uh, on television or. Uh, Word of mouth doesn't matter. You get noticed if you happen to uh, be on the roster of a of a team like Duke. You get noticed. Uh, it's about uh, the answer to the question of uh, to what family do you belong? What is the name of your family? Is that uh, that? It's an advantage. It's an advantage to be associated with a uh, with a with a group that's. Uh, uh, been on uh, known as uh, a group of excellence uh, not only on the map but in the history of that place so that's the way the, uh, you know uh, uh, society uh, of course it's organized but it's marbleized in these uh, uh, go go back to the city example uh um, Pizzas or flows to the point and away from the point all superimposed on each other that people call them complexity and uh, randomness and uh, diversity and all sorts of uh, uh, defeatist uh, words that in fact come from what I just uh, explained. But uh, may uh, may I tell you a little uh, joke that uh, just popped in my head now that- uh,
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, look, uh, so what works is kept, okay? Here's an early example I just thought of. So uh, in the 50s, yes, uh, which was again, uh, the Soviet occupation of uh, my provincial town uh, where I grew up. So they were teaching obviously communism all the time in in school. And uh, one day I came home and um, my parents, of course, were very, very critical of what was going on. (laughs) Says so, so what do they teach you today? And I pulled a piece of paper and they, they said, well, today they taught us the, uh, the, um, the 10, uh, 10 uh, lines or were uh, uh, laws of the, um, the uh, Soviet morale, Soviet morale. Yeah. And my father cracked up said, these are the 10 commandments. These are the 10 commandments. They just just replaced the name of God with with Soviet. So you see, what works is kept. Uh, The the designers of this uh, indoctrination package could not come up with with something different or better. But this happens, it happens, uh, quietly, everywhere you look.
1: What works so, is good. So let's talk about this idea. So freedom, one of the big points I take away is that freedom in part because of these economies of scale leads to hierarchy. Not We're not talking about coerced hierarchy, just when people are free, these different kinds of hierarchies uh, form. And one that you talk about that I think is particularly important is that fuel, when people are free, fuel consumption is hierarchical. So can you talk about that?
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, first of all hierarchy happens naturally because uh, it comes from the uh, from the uh, uh, urge of every individual to mo- move more easily every individual in this uh, organization moves more is been is uh, is aided in life by the hierarchical design as opposed to uh, to uh, one size fits all where Every single one on his own in the in the thicket, no. So hierarchy is good for those who belong to the hierarchy. Um, <laughs> all right, that's that's that happens naturally because of because uh, in other words, people join freely. People people are uh, joining because they're e- egotistical. You see, they they join because it's good for them. Um, that's the, the mother or the origin of, of, uh, of hierarchy. And, uh, but of course the movement, movement doesn't happen by itself. Movement, uh, it, again, you can think about uh, individuals in the city is happening because uh, fuel is being burned in, uh, in the engine of the car or uh, the food in, uh, in your belly. So uh, more movement requires more fuel. And that's why uh, in a uh, a picture of uh, how the fuel is uh, consumed on the same area, you'll see a hierarchy of uh, fuel consumption. The few big movers are consuming more fuel, meaning per individual, more fuel than the many small movers. Now, uh, I go back to the way I started. If you want to calculate the, total rate of fuel consumption on this hierarchically designed area you'll discover there's a lot a lot smaller than in the other limit where uh, every individual is uh, you know moving with uh, driven by uh, his or her own uh, <clears throat> little engine moving obviously all over the place so the hierarchy is what enables the group to, uh, to have life on that area. Uh, it's an, it's, the comparison is, uh, is, is obvious and that's why the hierarchy happens naturally. So hierarchical movement means hierarchical consumption of fuel. And uh, they are just, since you started the conversation, uh, economists have shown us, uh, this is not empiricism or the facts, as I, as I gesticulated in part one of this conversation with you, economists have shown us that, uh, that uh, the annual uh, consumption of fuel is proportional in a one-to-one relationship with uh, the annual wealth called the gross domestic product. So wealth, wealth uh, is the economist's name for, for the rate of fuel consumption, broadly speaking the wealthy country or city or university or individual um, moves more, <laughs> easy to see, You know, from uh, big cars to jet setters moves more than, uh, than those who are not as wealthy. The wealthy are few, the uh, not so wealthy are many. And, uh, and so the uh, non-inform distribution of wealth is of course hierarchical, And that too is another name for the uh, hierarchical uh, consumption of fuel. And that too is another name for the hierarchical distribution of movement on the area. But it all comes from the uh, natural uh, occurrence of the hierarchical movement because that is the easiest way for the whole uh, populated area to move.
1: So then how does this connect to progress because you look at say China and India but particularly China in the last several decades and their amount of fuel consumption has massively increased their standard of living has increased their life expectancy has increased how does your view explain these you know these improvements around the world and what does it project for the future in terms of the wealth of people and the energy use of people 50 years from now
0: the uh... First of all, China versus India, these are uh, two different, uh, two different uh, designs. Um, uh, India is a democracy, China is not. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, let's call it the uh, plan, the modernization of China is to be compared with, uh, with what happened in the Soviet Union in the 30s and uh, then again in the, in the um, late 40s and then the 50s. There was a planned expansion of the economy, meaning uh, building, of course, industrialization, industrialization. Uh, And these acts, um, in China, very famous with the great leap uh, forward, are uh, destined to be short-lived. One cannot uh, cover these armpits, armpits, the ones with with, uh, basically historic uh, uh, lack of movement. But with historic poverty, you cannot cover all these armpits with, uh, with big projects uh, streaming from the, from the top. In China, uh, you have uh, the facade, which is their uh, East Coast, that uh, tourists and the television uh, marvel at. But uh, the country is, uh, let's say, wealth in China is uh, famously non uniformly distri- uh, distributed meaning the distribution of wealth in China goes downhill as you go away from the, uh, from the advanced uh, East Coast. Uh, but the, the point is that uh, the, uh, the um, so-called planned economy, which is of course by definition uh, uh, rigid in comparison with the, uh, with the one that's uh, morphing all the time because people uh, contradict other people all the time but vote and that's what's going on in India by comparison. Uh, that sort of planned economy, uh, history has shown, is uh, all the way to Cuba and other places that, uh, that is, not, uh, is not short-lived. Uh, and then many, including communist uh, uh, countries, have been, uh, have been um, getting uh, other ideas, you know ideas of uh, liberating the uh, the flow it happened by the way in Eastern Europe um, uh, two decades before uh, the fall of the Iron Curtain uh, countries such as Hungary and Poland had uh, had uh, little by little let's say uh, quietly quietly um, um, gotten this sorry governments not countries government gotten this idea that uh, that um, um, liberating the economy and the decision making, uh, all the way to education and things, uh, was uh, better for the future.
1: That's so, well, let's, let's so if we just take India, what like what would you so that's a place that right now per capita uses a small fraction of what we use in the United States, um, but there's a, a you know decent amount of freedom there. What do you expect? Is it inevitable? I mean, because I think people might take what you said earlier and think, oh, it's inevitable that they'll just be poor forever if you're saying there's these hierarchies.
0: They, they, uh, these places, uh, you know, China for, uh, and these are big places, big groups. uh, China, there are actually three big groups, okay? China, India, and all of Africa. Uh, They have, uh, they're compared with the West. like the, uh, the landscape uh, close or far relative to Harvard in our previous discussion of uh, the 400 years of uh, higher education in the US. Uh, it takes time for, uh, for, the, uh, for the design to, uh, to, uh, to spread or for that matter, uh, takes time for those who are educated say in, uh, in the West to go back to these places and, um, and uh, build it. Uh, so it takes time, but the the future is already what uh, what the world has uh, has seen. Uh, uh, science, as we uh, practice it, is a Western construct. I open my book, every book you want, uh, thermodynamics for calculus. It it's it's from uh, from uh, from the uh, from the advanced West. Uh, this is uh, long before. Uh, people took this uh, you know uh, burning candle across the Atlantic so so it spread because it's good and these other things that are good it may be coming in fact from India and China by the point all these things that are good and are spreading um, they will be they'll keep on spreading but that takes time another great example by the way is uh, is uh, soccer it has spread it's a uh, it's a uh, not only liberating, but uh, unifying uh, uh, activity. It's uh, it's a peace building. It's it's really a, it it, it uh, promotes peace. Same with the Olympic movement, an idea from uh, from a Frenchman. Um, you know, <clears throat> um, uh, the it spread because it is good, and it continues to uh, to to. Not just spread, but to, uh, to become uh, uh, more influential or more permanent, and that's good. Uh, and then, of course, I can go back to the Ten Commandments: what good is kept? So this will take time, but along the way, uh, these uh, flowing, uh, you know, river bases of humanity will uh, will have no choice but to uh, to push the 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 logs out of the way, the obstacles. This is how uh, th- this is how okay democracy, where uh, where um, you know human rights and these things uh, have uh, come to be. They are good and uh, they're here to stay. Um, those who oppose them are destined to be contradicted uh, by future events. Well, uh, let's.
1: I want to make sure we cover, there's, there's, we're not going to be able to cover everything I want to cover, but I want to make sure to cover, well, your views on the moral case for fossil fuels, since you wrote me some interesting notes about that. And that certainly fits in with, obviously that's my view, but I'm curious on on what you have to say about that.
0: Well, it's not what I have to say. I think that the nature is on your side of the argument. Um, Fuels, um, consumption of fuels, uh, in this case, fossil fuel, is uh, uh, is as natural as uh, people adopting fire, or people uh, domesticating animals uh, step by step. Uh, people before domesticated people, people bo- acquiring boating, boating, which is a way to move uh, on the world map uh, a lot more easily than uh, than uh, than basically pushing the, the, the bushes out of your path. Uh, think about it. So it, the, the the big picture is one of uh, big step after big step toward easier movement. And um, this thing with the uh, with the burning oil, by the way, it wasn't, back then there were no cars. It was about extending the duration of uh, daylight. Uh, it, <laughs> it was very good for all sorts of things. Uh, uh, not to uh, to go to sleep with the chick- with the chickens. Um, it it was it was good for uh, obviously for life for uh, extending uh, uh, labor per day, uh, which meant the productivity, which meant of course wealth eventually. Um, much uh, safer to uh, to live uh, uh, with light in the home than otherwise warmer, of course, and uh, so. Uh, and of course, uh, that uh, helped uh, the spreading of literacy. I mean, the, the, the list is long, but the list is complicated because one good thing uh, helped the other N minus uh, one good things. And so along the way, yes, people uh, did, did the better things with the oil, they, uh, they fractioned it, they developed all sorts of things. By the way, the, uh, the uh, drilling for, for oil spread like wildfire uh, on the globe, just like the railroads, by the way, before that, um, and, um, and all that uh, is, uh, is kind of, uh, well, frankly, history, but it's an interesting history. Uh, it wasn't just the oil, then uh, with the, uh, with the uh, spreading of uh, uh, steam power plants, uh, came the spreading of the distribution of that power, meaning the distribution of electric power so uh, the landscape got wired, uh, the, can, the, uh, the, the world became electrified. Uh, there were no satellites back then to see how, how bright the, uh, the earth uh, had become. Uh, Japan, Japan in the 20s was the first to be electrified completely. Uh, now you get the idea as to why Japan then had the uh, ambitions of dominating the world shortly after that uh, the uh, the uh, this phenomenon that you bring up with the uh, with the oil man from canada is is uh, is a very very good story one that's uh, so clear that if you know it then you know how to predict the future of the same story and the future is toward the yeah toward the obviously better fuels meaning more uh, more potent uh, you have to be careful there because uh, the potent could also uh, explode in your face uh, so uh, every, every new technology has, uh, has uh, a, uh, an attractive uh, uh, face and also a repulsive back so you have to be it's always been this way with, uh, with uh, novelty in, uh, in, um, in the world but well, because people are not stupid, uh, the world uh, goes forward with uh, with uh, what I said earlier, which is what good is kept, um, and that's the uh, that will be the future of uh, of uh, power. Power is as uh, as uh, that quote from uh, from uh, Matthew Bolton. Uh, Matthew Bolton. Uh, he was the partner of uh, partner of james watt matthew bolton was a was a lawyer and he was the manager of the uh, of uh, of the, the works that uh, made these uh, uh, steam engines he was the genius behind the, the spreading of that technology um, he came up with this idea that i'll give you the engine for free uh, if you pay me in return uh, the savings that you, or a fraction of the savings that you uh, uh, registered by using my engine, as opposed to the previous one that you're using. Because you see the James Watt engine was uh, uh, revolutionary in terms of efficiency in those days. And so uh, it was a little bit like, uh, you know, I give you say the iPhone for free and you pay me back, a fraction of uh, how much happy, how much happier you are today that you have my iPhone. Um, that was Matthew Bolton. He's the one with that line, you know. Uh, sir, I uh, sell. I sell here, sir, what the whole world wants. And the capital letters were his.
1: Oh, they were okay. Were his. They were his. Power. Not, they were his. Yeah, yeah. I use I use that one. I think in the intro to the last episode. Yeah. By, I, the
0: way, I, by the way, uh, Alex, the word "power" uh, is powerful. It sounds like an explosion. People should yeah. should uh, should uh, pronounce it uh, not only often but uh, loudly. Um, and it means this. It means power. Of course, is uh, is uh, <clears throat> force times speed, but uh, it means. Uh, uh, pushing something a lot uh, more or more effectively uh, and all these other good things uh, uh, faster, of course, uh, uh, a heavier thing being pushed faster. Uh, well, you get the idea. You get the idea of uh, what all of us uh, uh, want uh, and we want it so uh, universally that we don't, don't, we don't have to argue were to apologize for the fact that uh, we, uh, we need this. We need the car, we need the, uh, the food uh, on a table. We need, uh, yes, the, uh, the electricity in the house, the light, the um, everything at the fingertips, You know gadgets galore. Uh, these things are, uh, are not uh, uh, in order to show off. They are uh, <laughs> necessary and tomorrow, uh, what was necessary yesterday is not uh, is not good enough. It has to be uh, uh, improved or uh, replaced by something that's uh, even more empowering. That's another key word that comes from the uh, mental viewing of what power really represents. And power means uh, the again the ability to move, the ability to move, and that's. How that's how it becomes. Power is the baby of uh, you know, freedom to evolve, because again, yep. without change, there's no, uh, no, uh, no, uh, nothing new, nothing new.
1: Okay, final thing I want to bring up. We're gonna. I have more things, but they'll have to wait till another time. But I want to challenge one thing partially. So if we talk about, so if we talk about the future of energy, and there's this general trend toward forms of energy that are more cost effective, and they tend to be denser rather than dilute, and they tend to be stored versus these intermittent flows. I think the logical way you'd expect energy to evolve would be toward nuclear, since it's so dense, you're you're releasing just this incredibly dense store of energy. And yet what we've seen is that we saw some progression there, particularly in the 1970s, but then we saw an ideological movement that really demonized nuclear and almost criminalized it to the point where it's very hard. There's very little freedom in nuclear to build and to innovate. You know, It takes 14 years to build a plant, whereas a couple of decades ago, it took four years. There's very little evolution. And so what this shows to me is that bad philosophy can at least temporarily restrict freedom and restrict progress and prevent people from flowing or succeeding in the way they otherwise would. And so that's part of why I'm motivated to talk about the things I talk about, is because I don't think it's inevitable that people will have freedom, at least in the short term, because they can accept ideas that make them restrict freedom. And that can slow down progress uh, hugely. So I'm curious how you think about that, in terms of the physics of all of this.
0: Uh, OK, uh, that's correct. Uh, you're uh grasp of history is uh, accurate. Uh, I was in school at a time when the nuclear uh, reactor technology was uh, a la mode uh, at MIT. They still have a nuclear engineering department today um, because it's an important technology to possess and to, uh, to have. Um, and now, the, uh, uh, when, pin, when pinned against the wall, uh, the society will, uh, will, uh, will reach for uh, whatever weapon is available to defend itself uh, against, in this case, the threat of uh, no movement. So uh, in that extreme, uh, the, uh, the challenge society will, uh, will use what it has, uh, in this case, uh, nuclear power. But uh, uh, right now, the sorry, the evidence in fact surprisingly to uh, even to someone like me is that uh, that uh, human ingen- ingenuity has been uh, uh, so uh, let's say it's life-saving that uh, that uh, society is nowhere near of being pinned against the wall. you have uh, not only uh, you know fuel uh, discovery, uh, uh, as if uh, exploration is a uh, bottomless pit, you know? Uh, there's uh, foil, uh, fuel uh, found here or over there of many, of many kinds. Uh, countries that were not into producing uh, oil have become uh, famous and rich oil producers, um, you know, under the sea and all these uh, things that you know about. Uh, and so the scenario that you uh, you're trying to respond to is uh, you can argue about it and it may happen but uh, the the solution all will, will always be uh, what uh, what we have seen which is that um, uh, people <laughs> will come up with uh, new solutions um and that is a uh, a movie to be to be uh, to be watched by those who live long enough to uh, to participate in it. But uh, they, uh, uh, I'll give you an example from uh, recent history. <clears throat> uh, say the um, the the Eastern campaign of uh, of Nazi Germany. Uh, it ran on oil. It ran on oil, uh, which of course. Uh, a lot of it was from Romania, and then uh, Hitler went for the uh, for oil fields on the Caspian Sea and failed, and so that is an example of a uh, of a society uh, you know pinned against the wall, pinned by its own military technology. So they uh, they appealed to uh, to its uh, scientists and came up with uh, you know synthetic. Uh, Gasoline, synthetic gasoline, which is uh, a technology that uh, that uh, uh, relies on another kind of fuel, uh, not on oil. The point is that the uh, it, that is an example of what what a group does if if really really threatened uh, uh, with its uh, extinction. You see. Um, that's uh, the. Um, there are many examples of this kind uh, in, the, especially in the military, in the history of military uh, uh, technology. Um, so I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, pessimistic about these things at all. Um, with, the, uh, so I'm not going to predict uh, what's going to happen to nuclear. It will be part of. Uh, uh, technological uh, uh, era, I would say, long term. But I want to come back to a point that I made uh, predictively last time with, uh, in the first part. Um, the uh, the The movement that uh, that is driven by the consumption of fuel, uh, as I said in part one, is responsible for the uh, not only the growth in the movement but also. Population growth and all of that, and uh, also uh, it comes with the uh, slowing down of the uh, of the so-called expansion because the technology of uh, moving people on the planet is, in fact, one. It is the uh, power from fire, and so uh, that is the reason why uh, your uh, fossil fuels are. Uh, uh, primordial in this particular uh, scenario. Uh, they, they are different than what was before. And right now, you can throw in the uh, nuclear uh, fuel there, that uh, right now, there is that's what it is. There is nothing uh, um, on the landscape that's likely to set the humanity in motion uh, the way that, uh, say, 20 years ago, uh, uh, power, steam power uh, set humanity in motion. And that's why the society um, filling its uh, smaller and smaller gaps or armpits with movement has uh, is, uh, is reaching, kind of hitting a ceiling or uh, uh, reaching really the uh, so-called boundary of diminishing returns. Incidentally, this is diminishing returns that uh, Movement on the planet today is uh, is a 200 years old technology, and the technology is uh, creating a better and better movement in uh, smaller and smaller steps, tinier and tinier steps. Everybody is moving more. Yeah, everybody is getting uh, yes uh, wealthier, uh, the rich and the not so rich. But in time, everybody is moving more. In smaller and smaller steps, if uh, somebody comes up with uh, with I don't know what uh, futuristic way of um, <clears throat> of uh, moving Adrian uh, uh, effortlessly to Tokyo, Japan uh, tomorrow, uh, then uh, and that means everybody will have access to this uh, uh, way of uh, of uh, <laughs> invading uh, the world. Uh, uh, Ten times over, then that will be another 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 discussion to have. But I don't see uh, that sort of uh, revolution uh, happening here. Uh, it is from this that uh, the uh, the notion of uh, extraterrestrial uh, expansion of uh, people uh, is uh, flourishing, um, uh, not only as a fantasy but as uh, as a you know a practical hands-on project. Um so more space uh requires greater power and uh uh bigger and bigger visionaries. It's always been this way, meaning uh one uh Christopher Columbus at a time.
1: Well, so we gotta wrap up. I would just say that the more people value freedom, the faster that's gonna happen and the better the flow will be around the world. So I wanna thank you for these discussions. In the future, I hope we can do one on on intellectual and scientific and academic freedom, which I have a lot to ask you about, but we gotta, so hopefully we can do that some other time. Uh, But as we close, just uh, tell listeners where they can learn more about you and your work, uh, just so that they can follow up.
0: Well, these days uh, it's easy to, to Google anybody, number one. Um, I have, um, um, my work is, uh, uh, was not born yesterday, unfortunately. Uh, I, I was, I've done a lot of thermodynamics before, uh, coming up with, uh, uh, design in nature. And, uh, that's, uh, these are popular books I wrote, uh, design in nature, the physics of life, and only now, most recently, freedom and evolution. These are the titles to, uh, to, uh, to read, they are uh, short, and they summarize. Uh, they are, in fact, a trilogy, a story of my own evolution in, uh, in the direction of uh, of uh, discussing with the uh, with uh, with the, with the general public topics that um, um, are f- easy to defend, uh, um, say scientific- scientifically scientifically. But the topics that are a lot more familiar I found out more a lot more familiar to uh, to, uh, to to uh, to the general public if you present them in uh, in a common language in uh, in stories about uh, uh, growing up or uh, or uh, historical conflict or um, historical progress for that matter and so uh, so the answer to your question is yes, read the design in nature, the physics of life and freedom and evolution, or um, simply look for my name uh, on the web or uh, on the website of Duke University, uh, which by the way is a great university because uh, compared with others, it still uh, leads in the department of freedom. And uh, let's, it lets people uh, by themselves to do to be creative.
1: Yeah, I ran up against the administration many times when I was at Duke, but I was much better. I was much. I was glad I was there versus a lot of other places. That's um, the
0: way. That means you, that you, you've been uh, you've been uh, growing older and wiser. That's the way it is. Yes, when you're young, when you're young, you tend to uh, to to. Well, there's a revolutionary in every young person. But, uh, but with, uh, with age, you discover that, um, that uh, the home uh, in which you grew up was, in fact, uh, a very good home. Um, and what works is kept. That's the important thing.
1: All right. Well, Professor Bejan, thanks so much for taking the time. And I look forward to staying in touch with you and exchanging ideas for years to come.
0: Thank you. Thank you, and thank your audience.
1: Thank you. Thanks again to Professor Beijan for joining me on this episode and on the last episode. I want to make one final point about the issue I raised at the end about how bad ideas, bad philosophy, can inhibit freedom and inhibit progress. One point Professor Beijan made was about you know, human beings when their backs are against the wall they will in you know they will find something that works And I think that's true. it's definitely true to a certain point but I think something is definitely lost there because human beings are individuals and when we talk about human beings with their backs against the wall so if we just talk about billions of poor people around the world who don't have much energy and very related don't have much freedom, sure at some point, uh, that's going to improve, and if there's an and, and movements to thwart that will at some point be overcome, but in the meantime, it's possible for there just to be mass devastation that that costs many people their lives, that makes many people's lives worse. So this can be true in the poorer parts of the world, and in the wealthier parts of the world, they can degenerate. So you look at Venezuela, which was. One of the wealthier Latin American countries, and now it's in terrible shape. So at some point, are forces going to push in the opposite direction? Probably, but the ideas can hold it back, or the the example I mentioned of nuclear. Nuclear, I believe, could be benefiting many, many lives, I mean, billions of lives by now, and it's restricted in all sorts of ways. And I've been looking at it recently, just the, the technical details of it in the US, and it is just obscene how much our electric, our electricity grid discriminates against reliable energy, underpays reliable energy, overpays for unreliable energy that, in many contexts, is completely useless. I've been uh, studying the grid and uh, in Arizona in particular, and you look at the state of things there, and there it's so rigged that their their policies policies are leading them in the direction of shutting down the Palo Verde nuclear plant, which is one of the lowest cost, most reliable power plants, I think in the world. And so if you wanna know more about that, that's somewhat of a digression, go to the episode Rigged Against Reliables with Tom Stacy. But the broader point here is just that bad ideas have these enormous, enormous consequences in terms of inhibiting freedom and inhibiting human flourishing and human progress, which is part of the reason why I'm so focused on changing the underlying ideas about energy that people have. Why I'm so focused on looking at the framework that we're using, including what values are we using? What assumptions do we have about the relationship between earth and human beings? What methods are we using to analyze things? Are we looking at the full context or are we distorting the context? Like I believe many of our leading thinkers do uh, today. So I I think it's very important to understand that there, there is a sense in which human beings will always seek things that work and those are powerful forces to understand and and they're generally good forces but the ideas that we have can can take those forces and harness them for good or they can suppress them and they can also harness them for evil in a sense but i think the real issue is just suppressing the human beings' ability to innovate and create and progress, and that's a lot of what's happening with the ideas today. We have many ideas that are inhibiting human beings' ability to create and innovate and uh, and progress. And for more on that, you can see the episode uh, with Jay Storrs Hall, Where's My Flying Car?, which I think is a good companion to this set of episodes. As I said before, I would like to have Professor Beijan on some time to talk about academic freedom, or or more broadly, intellectual freedom, including scientific freedom, since he has a lot of insights about that in his book. He has some controversial views that I would love to get into, Uh, but next week we are going to, and the next couple weeks, I have some interesting guests, more conventional guests lined up, uh, but I think you're going to learn some fascinating stuff, including from uh, one guest who has really interesting views on just the the economics of uh, energy in the future, including international oil markets, which is not something we've talked about a lot. So I am looking forward to ending the year with some really good additional power hours and starting to book the next year as well. If you have any suggestions for guests or if you have any questions, comments, love mail or hate mail, you can email me at alex at alexepstein.com. Uh, Make sure to get on my mailing list. If you're not there already, you can sign up easily at alexepsteinlist.com. If you want to know some really good talking points about energy, environment, and climate issues, go to energytalkingpoints.com. And if you are an elected official or staff member in the U.S. House, U.S. Senate, or governor's office, you can join my free messaging group called Energy Talking Points On Demand. Just go to energytalkingpointsondemand.com. And of course, any listener, if you know somebody who's qualified for this and may be interested, just tell them to go to EnergyTalkingPointsOnDemand.com. If you like our work at the Center for Industrial Progress, you can become an accelerator promoting our research and development and our promotional efforts. You can do that at IndustrialProgress.com accelerate. All right. That is it for this week. Looking forward to the next interview. Hope you are as well. Until then, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been Power Hour. Power Hour, life, liberty, and the pursuit of energy,
0: Power Hour, the antidote to shallow thinking about energy issues.